All right, we are in week two talking about what the heart wants. Now, speaking of what the heart wants, uh, we are coming into a season that I look forward to uh, every year because I know when this season comes that I can look forward to cooler temperatures. Uh, I can look forward to bonfires out in the backyard. I can look forward to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's coming around the corner, so uh, pumpkin pie and pecan pie, and those are the right choices if you're trying to decide, right? <laughs> Sweet potato pie is a no-go. But there's a season that comes that every year that I know that these things are coming just around the corner. And I'm not talking about football season. Uh, Lord knows I'm not talking about pumpkin spice season. I'm sorry. Uh, some of you uh, enjoy that and good, good for you. What I'm talking about is when you go to the store and you see aisles and aisles of Halloween candy, right? Like you can find this right next to the Christmas decorations uh, sometime in August. And it is everywhere. Now, it does not matter in my house how much of this stuff we buy. It seems to multiply. I mean, we've got Halloween candy coming out of our ears. Now, here's the dynamic in my household uh, that all of my family, either they cannot or they just will not eat anything that has peanut butter or nuts in it in any way. And so I get all the good stuff. I get uh, Mr. Goodbar, Snickers, uh, Reese's, um, Almond Joy. You know, I, I get all the good stuff that comes my way. And every single year I tell myself the same thing is that I'm just gonna have a few pieces and then I'm gonna let it be, I'm gonna let it go with that. And every year I do the same thing. I've got this pile of peanut buttery goodness and I start to dive in over the next couple of days and a pile disappears within a week. And you know what happens? I feel awful, right? And, and I'm not just talking about like a stomach ache. I'm just talking like you just feel gross. Like, you know, you ever been in that space? See, here's the thing about all that wonderful sugary goodness is it's great if I have a couple of pieces, but it's really terrible if I make it dinner. And a lot of us do that in our lives with things that are meant to be enjoyed in small doses and we make it the main dish. We make it the main thing of our lives and we call that idolatry. Idolatry is when I take anything that is not God and put it above God and I look to it for meaning and purpose and satisfaction. And because I look to it for those things, I give my heart over to devotion and obedience to it. And last week we talked about how our hearts deceive us. We got some deceptive desires uh, that lead us toward things that we don't really want. And today I want to tag on to that and I want us to begin to see that those are dangerous desires that will ultimately harm us in a big way. So I want to back up one step and if we have desires that are leading us toward things then those desires have to be rooted in something that is good for us and so here's where I want to start is with this point is that our hearts are designed to long for God. Uh, this is what our hearts are really looking for. And we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 44 today, so open your Bibles. Uh, today might be a day where you want to underline some phrases or, or star some phrases. 
But we're going to start in verses 6 through 8, recognizing what our hearts really long for. So let's take a look, starting in verse 6. This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. Well, let's, if we can take this back to verse 6, let me show you a couple of things here. See, our heart is longing deeply for God. And here's why. For starters, all of life is rooted in, it comes from God. Look at what he says in verse 6. He says, I am the first and I am the last. If God is the first and the last, that means he is above all. All things are through him. He gives life to everything. There is no creator of God. He is self-originating. Uh, he has always been. Everything is rooted in him. There's no beginning, no end. And so the very fact that we have life at all in any concept of life is rooted in God who is life himself. And he goes on from there. Let's go to the next slide, verse 8. He says, did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? So God not only is life, but God speaks into our life. That he wants us to hear what he's all about. And what is it that he's telling us about? It's he's telling us about, us about his plans for our life. His plans for creation. And he doesn't just tell us about his plans. Let's go back to verse 6 one more time. He shows us what he's all about. He says, let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since when? Since I established my ancient people. In other words, God said, I had a plan for the world and I got my hands dirty. I got into the world and I established a people so that I could bring some things through history that you would know who I am and what I'm all about and what I want to do in your life. Folks, this is the whole purpose of what we call the incarnation. That in the life of Jesus, we could hear a voice and see a face of God and be drawn into the life that he has for us. So that begs the question, if God is life, who speaks to us, who has plans for us, who shows us what he's all about, why in the world would we ever want anything, desire anything other than God? And the reason is, you and I know it, we've experienced it so many times, there are so many things around us in life that offer themselves as a substitute for what we really long for in God. And just like that Halloween candy, it looks good and it tastes good and the things in life, they feel good. The problem is, is that they are leading us towards something that we really don't want. And because they're leading us towards something that we really don't want, by definition, we can understand that those are some dangerous desires at work in our hearts. And we could say it this way, pursuit of false desires leads 
to danger. Now, there's two kind of dangers that we face when we turn to anything other than God for that purpose and meaning and satisfaction, when we give our hearts over in obedience and devotion, two real big dangers we face. One is the danger of what happens now as we see the devastation and destruction of relationships and hopes and dreams and, and our own lives. And the second danger is the danger that is to come for eternity. That there is eternity at stake. Look at verse 9, same chapter, Isaiah 44, and we keep going, verse 9. It says, all who make idols are nothing, and the things they treasure are what? Worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind. They are ignorant to their own shame. I want you to notice three things here in the scripture. This is what turning to anything other than God as your ultimate meaning, purpose, and satisfaction will bring you. It'll make you nothing. It'll bring something that is absolutely worthless. And in the process, it'll blind you to what you're doing. It'll make you nothing. It'll make your life worthless. And it'll blind you to the trouble that you are in. And folks, we see this all the time, don't we? We see it in our lives. We see it in the lives of other people. I mean, I, I could think about every person who's ever walked through a midlife crisis. They are smack dab in the middle of this process. They look at their life and they realize everything that I've given myself over to that I thought was so very important was nothing has made me feel worthless. And I've been blind to the whole process. Many times I'll sit down with a couple, a married couple, and one of them is ready to walk away because what they thought that marriage would bring them, this idolatry that they lifted it up to be something more than, than what it was supposed to be. They made another person a God in their life and, and they were disappointed by definition. We make a human being a God in our life, you're gonna be disappointed. And so they find themselves in a place where everything that I hoped for was nothing. I've experienced something that was worthless and I was blind to the whole process. Or I think about those of you in, in high school and in college and this like deep desire to be perfect in everything, to make the grade, have the community service hours, uh, to be on the ball team or the you know, student government and all, check all the boxes. I got to be perfect. I can't have any flaws. And you find yourself burned out and exhausted and realize that pursuit was nothing. It was worthless and you were blind. This is where idolatry will lead us when we turn good things that are meant to be gifts to be enjoyed in life. We turn them into ultimate things for our meaning, purpose, and satisfaction. They lead us to a dangerous place. And we need to wake up to that reality of where we are headed. Because here's what is ultimately it's going to lead us to. It's going to leave us without meaning and purpose. It's going to, number two, leave us without an eternal reward. That God has something to give us in his kingdom for our faithfulness here today. And when we trade that for what we want now instead of what we want forever, we will forfeit that reward. And number three, it'll leave, lead us further away from God and who I want to be. And that's a bad trade 10 times out of 10. And so what does it look like for us to turn our hearts back to God? Well, we're going to give you some tools next week, but what I want us to understand today is just how dangerous. So I hope that you began to see some of those idols last week. Today, I want to cement for us 
this reality that we need to and should want to walk away from them. And here's the image that I thought of as I was praying about this message. It's almost like we need and are looking for medicine and instead we take poison. And we think in the process that we're taking medicine for our hearts and our souls while all the, way, the while we're poisoning our hearts, we're poisoning our souls with things that are a cheap substitute for what our hearts are really longing for. Look at the way Isaiah says it in verse 10. Who shapes a God and casts an idol which profit nothing? People who do that will be put to shame and such craftsmen are only human beings. Let them all come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and shame. A couple of things I want us to see here. Number one is that all of us, when we give our lives to idols, we will land in the same place. Let them all come together and take their stand. Meaning it doesn't matter what your motive is for turning to an idol. You, you might think that it's a, a giving motive, a loving motive. Maybe it's a selfish motive. It doesn't really matter. When we turn our lives over to anything other than God, we're going to stand together. And here's what we're going to get. Is we're going to get terror and shame. Now there's two kinds of terror specifically that will be received when we turn our lives over to idols. Here's the first one is that idol worship is self-destructive. The first terror that we will experience as we give our lives to idols is we will find ourselves destroying our own lives. Everything that we want and hope for, our relationships, our dreams, sometimes even our calling in life, we will destroy it and harm ourselves, self-inflicted wounds, by turning to something other than God. Now, I, I wanna lift up a few examples so we can really wrap our mind around what this looks like. So I took just some common idols. Uh, we talked about some surface idols and deep idols last week. These are just some common idols in our life, and I want you to see how they are self-destructive. One of the idols that we turn to is money. Now, you can have an idol of money, whether you have a lot of money or a little bit of money, right? Because all it takes to turn money into idol is to believe that in money I find my meaning, purpose, and satisfaction that it's gonna protect me from all kinds of problems. And if I just have enough money, everything will be okay, right? And we know the problem with that. You know, scripture tells us that the one who loves money, there is never enough. And you don't ever reach a mark where there's enough when you're serving idols. And here's what happens with money, it will bring you fear. Because if you have a lot of money, you're afraid of losing that money. If you don't have money, you're afraid of never getting that money. And that's a self-destructive pattern. When you believe that money's gonna make you safe and instead it just fills you with fear. I thought about a second idol that we face sometimes is pleasure. And here's what pleasure will bring us every single time it'll lead us toward addiction. Because here's what happens with pleasure. As I start with a little, you know, I'm just gonna have a little taste. I'm just gonna eat one Reese's. I'm just gonna eat one Snickers. And before I know it, I've eaten the whole bag, right? Now, why is that? It's because one's never enough. And what brought me pleasure with that first taste doesn't quite hit the same with the second. And what made me feel good 
with a little bit, that next time is not enough, and so I've got to have more. And eventually you keep stacking it on and stacking it on and stacking it on, and it becomes a trap for us. Whether you get a full-blown addiction or not, we find ourselves trapped in a cycle of needing more and more and more of what a little bit used to be enough. It's self-destructive. Thought about another idol that we face in life is power. Now, power is seductive. Power, we talked about this last week, one of those deep idols. Power tells me that if I have the power or at least the right person has the power, then it will all be safe and we'll be all, I'll be okay. The problem is the, the, how we define who should have the power is different from person to person, Right? And we've discovered that no human being is able to make all of us safe all the time, no matter how much they power they have. In fact, power often is something that brings us to a place where we don't want to be. And it is destruction, destructive of character and purpose. But here's what power will do to us as we search for power. It brings division. Because nobody ever agrees that the right person has the power. Very rarely do we as human beings want to give away power, whether we're talking about a friendship, uh, a business place, a marriage, or any other kind of relationship. Rarely do we willingly, without a move of the Holy Spirit, just say, here, I don't want the power. Let me give it up to you. And as we both want it and we feel like it's exclusive, it will divide us from one another. Isn't that what we see in our country? It's the idol of power. Another one that we face is popularity. Now, after this week, I met with some of our high school students, and I was kind of picking their brain. And I think after I turned these notes in, I might change this from popularity to our pursuit of perfection. Where we feel like everything has to look perfect. Everything has to be without flaw, without fault. We filter everything. We feel like there's a future out there that we can only reach if we're perfect. If we check all the boxes. And here's what that will bring us, whether we're talking about popularity or that pursuit of perfection, it'll bring anxiety. Isn't that what we experience as we try to be perfect all the time, as we get so concerned about what everybody else sees and what everybody else thinks of us and what their perception of us is and can we keep it going? Because whether you're talking about your reputation with others or you're talking about this pursuit of perfection in your life, it is an endless pursuit. And the only thing you can do if you've got it is harm it. And so you're constantly worried and anxious about what's going to happen next. Am I going to lose this position? Am I going to lose where I'm at? Or if I don't have it, will I ever get there? And what's going to happen to me if I don't get there? And we get eat up. It's no wonder that anxiety is really a, a, a pandemic of our world. And then I thought, thought finally about control. And how control tells us that if we just have control of our lives, that everything will be okay. And we talked about last week how that's a, a deceptive desire because it's built on a lie. None of us really have control over everything in our lives. And there's always variables that we don't know about. And there's a future that we can't predict. And so it's actually a good thing that we don't have control because if we did, we'd make decisions that would harm us around the corner of the things that we don't see coming. But thankfully, there's a God who does see the future and loves us and is good and he does have control. 
But still, we long for this control sometimes. We fight for this. We hold on to it. And here's what it'll bring. It brings exhaustion. Some of us, there's no other way to put it. I think sometimes, especially in the church, we are just utterly exhausted by trying to control all the things. I got to be a good person. I got to control my image. I got to control the people around me because they can't do it on their own. And so thank goodness they have a savior like me to come fix their life. Thank goodness I can put on the Superman cape and I can come rescue them. Maybe sometimes people would just be better off if we got out of the way. And it is exhausting and many of us as followers of Christ are burned out because we're doing things that belong to God and not to us. And we need to be willing to let these go. These are poisonous when it's injected into our heart and soul. They're self-destructive, but it's not just the the problem of our self-destruction now, but it's that there is something coming forever and eternity that we will answer to. And that's the second terror. It's that at the end of the day, idol worship is judged by God. That we do have a loving, merciful, graceful God, but he is also righteous and perfect and just. And the only thing he asks from us, from all of history, is to trust him. And to trust him alone. That we don't put anything up on the platform with God, but it is God and God alone. And we put all of our trust, our meaning, our purpose, our satisfaction in him. And knowing that's where it comes from, we give him our devotion and obedience. And one day, scripture tells us that Christ is going to come again and he's going to judge the living and the dead. And there'll be two judgments. There'll be one judgment for those who trust and have faith in Christ and they'll be brought into the kingdom of heaven by faith in God, by his grace. And then there'll be a second judgment for all who have not put their faith and trust in him and they'll be judged for their deeds. And I'll just give you the spoiler is that none of our deeds measure up to the holy God. And really our only hope for eternity is to turn away from the idols, to turn to God and say, Lord, You and you alone are my hope. But there's good news. That that we're not disqualified, all is not lost, but there is an answer. There is an antidote for this poison that we inject into our lives. There is a medicine for our hearts and souls, and it is found in Christ. And Isaiah speaks to this in that same chapter, a few verses ahead in verse 22. This is what he says. God speaking to us through Isaiah. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. That in Jesus Christ we have redemption. See that is more than just forgiveness. Forgiveness is I'm not going to hold against you what you did. Redemption is hey you've injected some nasty stuff into your heart. And you're hurting and you've brought some destruction into your life. And what I'm going to do is give you a medicine that's going to turn that around. And I'm going to take your broken, hurting, sick heart. And I'm going to make it healthy and thriving. And I'm going to bring something into your life that you have been looking for. I'm going to bring that purpose and that meaning and that 
satisfaction, not just for now, but for forever. And I'm going to redeem all the broken pieces and put them together into something more beautiful than what we began with. That's what God offers. And all he asks of us is right here. Return to me. The theological word we use is to repent. And repent means that I'm going one direction. I'm, I, I'm serving, I'm searching, I'm looking for things around me to satisfy, to give me meaning. And I stop moving that direction and I start moving the other direction toward God. That I return to Him. Because in Him I have redemption. All right, so last week... As we closed out, I asked you to search your heart, let the Holy Spirit speak of where in our lives do we have those deceptive desires, those things that, that maybe are pulling on our hearts a little too much. What I wanna ask of you today is to let the Holy Spirit speak into your heart of just what danger that's bringing into your life. Because we will never turn away from something that we don't believe is bringing danger or harm into our lives. And I want you to realize the, the harm and danger that's coming in when we give our lives to anything other than God as that ultimate in our hearts, in our souls. Maybe it's money, maybe it's control, maybe it's pursuit of perfection. I'm not sure what it is in your heart, in your life. But would you realize the, the destruction that it brings? If for no other reason, just for what we want right now in this life, why would we continue to inject poison when we've got a medicine that's been given to us? But even more than that, for the eternity that comes, we live our lives for a tiny little sliver of the expanse of time that God gives us, of eternity. Whether you turn to Him or not, there's eternity before us with no end. And I don't know about you, but it makes a lot more sense to me to live for that. So I'm gonna pray for us. If you'll stand, we close out. And again, I just wanna invite you to listen to that voice of the Holy Spirit. Let Him speak. Let Him move in you to say, uh, you know that pain, that frustration, that anger, that sadness, that grief that you're experiencing, it could be because there's a false God at work in your life that's bringing some destruction and you don't have to continue in that way. I pray that the Holy Spirit will lead you and as you hear his voice, just respond to him. Next week, we're gonna give you some tools to walk away, to break those down. But today could be the commitment. God, I'm ready to turn back to you. If you wanna come and pray at these altar uh, rails, you can, these prayer rails. If you want one of us to pray with you, just wave us over or you can pray on your own but let's respond to the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for loving us and for offering us a way for healing. God, you didn't bring the heart, heartache and the frustration and the, the anger and, and all the brokenness in our lives, but even still, you offer the way out. You offer the healing medicine for our hearts and souls through the blood of Jesus through his redemption. God, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins and we thank you for the redemption of our lives. 
that we get put back together better than we were before. So speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Move in us, stir us. God, push us toward repentance. Let us make a commitment today that whatever idol might be creeping up in our hearts, that we make a commitment today to walk away from it, trusting that you're going to give us some steps forward. So come and do what only you can do, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.